All right, and we're back with our team here, and we were le- where we left it was perhaps let's shift from what might be tenured or might be other issues to just student experience. How is speech either not curtailed or curtailed on campus from the student perspective? Because that's who our guests are. So, Henry, do you want to start us off with that second part? Sure. So, um, I think a big a big portion of the speech on campus. Um, there's a big portion of it that's completely omitted. I think everyone is concerned about the deplatforming and what you can't say. And um, so what's really important is when you remove the rights of someone to speak, the bigger issue is that you're remo- removing the rights of those who are listening to them, which is, the, I, think, I think, the more crucial piece of it. Because when you come to college, that's what you come to do, right? Universe, like all one but different. So, so you're removing the right of somebody to be challenged and to grow. And um, I think that's I think that's a big piece of it that's getting lost in the conversation. Maddie? Yeah, and I would totally agree with that, Henry. I mean, so obviously I go to Mount Holyoke College, which is one of the most liberal schools in the area. And um, I find that on campus, there's... they. I feel like a lot of people almost pretend that everyone is the exact same as them and they... You know, they all have the same opinions um, because, like Henry said, a lot of it is omitted, right? Like people just don't, people who disagree just don't speak. Um, And I can speak from experience that I have, you know, some differing beliefs than the majority of my campus. And as soon as you speak out on one issue, the classroom will target you. Your professor will directly address you and I've had situations where my professor has told me that I'm just wrong, and that's, that's again, not okay. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, and then I feel like there's also then that comes this stigma. So it's more than just having the courage to stand up in class and say, hey, I don't agree with that. It's then you walk out of that classroom, and those 18 girls that were in the class with you now think that you must think, okay, well, because you think that, you must think also X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest issue, I think, on campus. Because as soon as someone says one thing that people don't agree with, you're automatically targeted and categorized as a different kind of person. And then you're you become irrelevant in their conversation. They begin to, so they just block you out. They don't listen to you. They, and that is dangerous. Like well, you're that, shunned. It sounds like you're saying you feel shunned. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, I mean, I don't have a lot of differing beliefs and I've definitely sat through classes and then been swayed because, you know, because it makes more sense to me that way or whatever. As long as you hear different perspectives, sometimes that thing happens. Um, but I do feel like on certain issues, it's just like, especially when you get into like the political spectrum and you're in politics class and you're debating, whatever that, whatever it looks like, right? Um, you really just become like an outsider. And that just, again, takes away from others' education. Like Henry said, when you take away someone's right to speak, then you take away the other person's right to listen to that person. And that is... So that I sounds really uncomfortable. It's, but your speech is... Not, do you feel like your speech is being curtailed or do you just feel like you're being shunned? So I don't think that... So Mount Holyoke has actually one of the best free speech policies. Um, they're very good about that. They'll def- like You can really say whatever you want, and we've definitely seen that, I think, take action, and Elena can agree to this like on campus, especially this year. Um, but I do feel like I might... Sometimes I might not say things just because, you know, I don't feel like putting up 
the fight today. You know, it's not worth me going can you, up. Can you just give us an example? I know it's hard. I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm curious, like, what does that look like? So I actually, I guess I have a pretty good example. We um, spoke in class one day about what terrorism means. What is the definition of terrorism in Which, politics? Which, having taken my Middle Eastern course, we talked a lot about. We talked what, a lot about the that. definition of terrorism. Absolutely, yep. and um, I think some students wanted to make it very specific to exclude certain groups of people. To you know, kind of, and they're doing that in a way. I think with the best intentions, you know, so you don't put stereotypes, you don't do any of that, you kind of avoid that. However, by doing that, you take out any you anybody you know what i mean like that excludes a lot of different people so i mean i had disagreed and kind of told them you know that terror the the definition of terrorism needs to be a little bit broad to really encompass things and then make you can make policy to reflect those things make sure you're keeping your nation safe um and my professor told me that i was wrong and um and everybody in the class thought i was very wrong and i've lost friends over it you know and it's like and that's the part that bothers me and that's part of the political climate today i guess right like that you can't be friends with you can't be neighbors anymore because you have different political ideology and i think the other problem is is that because it's so polarized people don't realize that there are so many people in between and i would absolutely consider myself in between yeah and it's hard to say i'm in between and you know i can understand both sides because sometimes you just can't um, but I totally think that that's a huge issue on campus is like this political environment divides your campus. However, it doesn't divide it evenly. And then a lot of people, you know, are just quiet and they act like they're on the other side. And I think that's, that's unfair because then you're, you're hindering somebody's identity because at this point, politics have become part of identity. Okay. Uh, Henry, do you want to come in? Um, yeah, well, I was going to say like, it, it's not, a, I mean... It's okay to be wrong as long as there's proof that you are wrong. I think Absolutely. a problem a problem on the at university right now is that um, we've removed falsifiability from what people are saying. So, I think what what people used to do and still do, obviously, is find truth through proper means of falsifiability. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like the scientific method. You have a hypothesis and you test it. Um, but now, I think with this truth relativism type thing that we're seeing in universities, we're getting away from um, finding truth through the proper means of, of falsifiability and testing it, and rather truth through the lived experience truth. And, um, and I think that's really dangerous because... Well, can you give us an example of that then, too? Well, I, like, like the identity politics thing with, with because my experience, or because I'm, this is part of my identity, like X is part of my identity, then what I'm saying about Y has to be true, right? And that's the problem because there's no falsifiability. If something can't be wrong... Then, then that that's not a proper means of finding truth, hmm. right? And I think that that's again kind of the biggest or the hardest thing that people deal with at college and at universities, right? Because, and especially where Elena and I are at a liberal arts institution, right? So you go to math class, sure, two plus two is four, right? You can't debate that. That's that's fact. Well, they debated in Orwell's oh, nineteen eighty four, okay. mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> So, but that's kind of the difference is then you get into the political, you get into your mm-hmm. politics class, you get into your sociology class, into your writing class, right. whatever Humanities. it is, there's no right answer. 
And it's like, because a lot of opinion gets filtered into it and it's, it becomes more of an issue of how people get along rather than what they're actually saying. And I think my biggest disappointment and issue with my college experience so far, and I saw this a ton in the classes I took um, in high school at Smith College, I see this a ton in my Mount Holyoke classes, is this complete, um, and this doesn't apply to everyone in every class, but a, a pervasive lack of um, original thought, just mm-hmm. relying on on talking points, relying on yeah. um, scripted ideas that I see on social media and um, on Facebook and in articles. Just this um, this lack of even being willing to challenge yourself or to think deeply about something. And again, doesn't apply to everyone, um, but it's been frustrating and in some instances boring. You no, know, that is um, that boredom is an issue whenever yeah. you have yeah. a lockstep thing. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I mean, I'll tell you, as a just as a, a lowly high school history teacher, the last four or five years have been a tightrope, mm-hmm. you know, a real tightrope in terms of trying to uh, create space for everyone in my classes to also, you know, I consider myself a sailor. So if the winds are pulling the sail one way, I'm going to pull it the other way. Like, that's my job as the teacher. Like, if if everyone's saying this, then I'm automatically going to yank the sail back so i don't want the the boat to tip over i want the thing to keep moving and so you really run the risk of people being like whoa cody said this today and it's like well my job is to push back against what you guys all think is true i don't know what's true that's not my job to tell you what's true my job is to build skills i don't know what's true and 10 years from now guaranteed i'll be wrong what's true but um we're trying to build skills here not uh, um, agendas necessarily, and I think my other huge issue is the the demonization of people. And Maddie spoke to this too of of people with even slightly differing opinions. That one's opinion um, or political um, ideology or place they fall in the political spectrum completely determines their value and worth as a human being. Exactly. And this idea of like, okay, if someone doesn't agree with me in politics. I, I can't eat dinner with them right. <laughs> and I can't mm-hmm. I can't room with them like I can't do this I can't do this or they don't bring something valuable to the table well they're I, not they become right. less than human a little yeah. bit right they're content right. Kind of that, sets even in. if you can't value and agree with someone on politics maybe they have a great idea on sociology or on theology or on math like that it doesn't summarize the whole human can mm-hmm. I tell you my dream just for a second and then, oh, then we'll, my dream is a different podcast called sedimental which is a word we invented in one of the classes the idea of sediment building up so Mm -hmm. if i'm feeling sediment sedimental that means all these things have built up over the years not sentimental but sedimental and have two people on different sides of the issues and interview them but then also individually interview them about their lives and make the other person listen to that interview Mm -hmm. to make them listen about their kid who has Down syndrome or their mother who's in the hospital all these things that make us make us human mm-hmm. to each other again We're right like, well wait a second like this is a human being across from me this is not just a political ideology mm-hmm. maddie right and back off of elena's point about how you know you have one thing and then you can't eat dinner with them the problem is is that you you get shut off as soon as you have a different opinion, right? So, like, in the classroom when you speak out and you say something that somebody didn't agree with you, then you don't even get that opportunity to well, build that yeah, relationship. 
And that's, I think, and that's like also so sad because college is a place where you're supposed to be meeting new people, understanding where they come from. And if they just speak out on one thing that maybe doesn't even define the rest of their ideology. I mean, I have that happen with me all the time. I say one thing and then it's like, well, no, I don't agree with those other things that now you think I think. Mm-hmm. But now we can't, e- we can't even be friends. But my, my, my anxiety is where's the, where's the battle line? Why don't you come and tell me like I'm a total bastard and I'm wrong, please. Mm-hmm. But don't just turn away from me. Because if you turn away from me, we can, that there's no more conversation. I don't even know if you really understand what I'm saying or if right. I understand what you're saying. Like, I spent 20 years out. in New York. In New York City, you always fight. You know, you always fight. That's what you do. Yeah. You get into some street fights. Def- oh, definitely. And it gets resolved because you do. But nothing mm-hmm. is left unspoken. Everything gets spoken, Henry. Well, I think this is an. I think it's because of an error of our educational system. So, I think throughout high school, a big error that teachers make is encouraging debate rather than a, like a dialectic. So, throughout throughout high school, we're encouraged to write papers and only argue one side. Mm-hmm. But orthodoxy is actually encouraged. So, I don't think it's a mystery why people are um, why it's at the universities now. So, you're encouraged to take a point, argue it, don't give up any ground to your opposition. But I think in colleges, we need to encourage dialectics. So you speak, I speak, I tell you where you're wrong, you tell me where I'm wrong, I see where I'm wrong, you might see where you're wrong, and then you may be able to find some truth instead of just arguing for a point and jockeying for a position. I love that idea. I think the important thing to also think about is that sometimes we can expect people to engage in those kind of dialogues and conversations when it when it's not their when it's not their job or maybe not emotionally okay for them to engage in right so i've had situations where i've had people arguing to me against my my right to choose in terms of reproductive rights sometimes i don't feel like i'm in an emotional state to argue that and so i think it is also important to think about how our like yes free speech like yes everyone can have their opinion but we also don't need to expect that everyone is going to be in the state or want to engage in those conversations with us. And we still have to maintain a level of respect yeah. and in our, in our classroom space. Right. And I think there's, there's protocol for that and can be further mm-hmm. protocol for like, you know what, I just, you guys keep talking. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not really here right now or I'm going to take a walk. I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as the relationship isn't severed. Mm-hmm. Maddie? Yeah, and I think that something that we haven't really touched on much in this conversation is the idea of free speech and having the right to it. I'm all for it. You can absolutely say what you want. However, there is this underlining tone of, like, respect. Mm. And for me, I've always grown up with the idea that I need to respect my fellow peers. I need to respect my professors, my teachers, anyone, mm. right? I, I can't just go and walk all over people. And I think that that's kind of the biggest thing is like free speech is really, really important, but it's also important to understand that, yes, you have the right to say whatever you want, but should you? And I think that that's where the free speech thing becomes an issue is that people think that they always have it and they they lack Mm -hmm. that respect. And if they had the respect to not, you know, say something that's going to offend the person next to them, you know, because it's a personal topic to this person next to them, then I think we'd be a lot farther in the world right now but i think people just Mm -hmm. when they say you know i want my free speech they do their free speech and they lack the respect and that is where i think i have the issue on that whole topic 
Right. Well, I think that's where the idea of like dialectic rather than debate helps because like when you're when you're having a discussion with someone that's that's really focused on ex- exploration and finding truth, like you're not trying to win. Like there's no there's nothing there's no part of you that's saying like I need to represent myself as someone who's winning. Absolutely. I mean, you're engaged in common cause, but it sounds like the incident you had, Maddie, was more of a seminar situation. It wasn't like you were in debate, so mm-hmm. it can right. still happen right, right. and very much happen in mm-hmm. that, and maybe even more because people just kind of start turning away, like there's a smell in the room. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you: We don't have much time. Why? What if we agree on this is a phenomenon that that what you experience is very real, which I don't doubt. Why? Why is it happening? And yeah, Henry. Well, I think it was. I think it was like what we were talking about before. I think the 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 structure and the process of the classroom right now um, needs a bit of. Um, we need to shift it a bit because, like I was saying, saying something that could be potentially controversial. Um, almost has little social benefit, but it could potentially have massive private costs. So somebody saying something, it might not add that much to the conversation, but it might destroy somebody's reputation. So if we really want to have good conversations and try to figure things out in classrooms, um, we need to have a, an environment that encourages people to say what they think without the risk of incurring private costs. Well, I have to say, it would be really amazing, I think, for if you feel that way, the next time that comes up, mm-hmm. bringing it up, yeah, and sure. saying like, "Listen, I, I want to. I have the. I have the. I have something I want to say right now. I am concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that if I say it, that people will turn away from me and not hear it. So, yeah. Well, you know, in, in, in a room, uh, in a room of 300 that. people, it's, right. It, right. you can feel alone pretty it's easily. A, yeah. Right, and it's a little different at Mount Holyoke when you're in a class with 12 people. Um, but, I mean, I have definitely said things in classrooms where I say, you know, you you are not going to agree with this. However, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess you get a little farther with that, but I don't think far enough. I think professors have to um, be more outspoken about the principles of the classroom. And I think they really have to say on the first day, um, these are the principles of which we're going to adhere to in the classroom. We're going to grant positive intent to people who are speaking. And we're not going to judge them by what they're saying, and we're gonna we're gonna try to find some truth and, and figure some. Do fig- our best, yeah. Elena. Um, yes, I think that granting positive intent is really important. I think that again, just coming back to this idea of campus safe spaces, right? Classroom safe spaces. How can we ensure that that conversation encompasses a wide diversity of beliefs, but is also safe and that's a hard word for everybody but I keep thinking like us in this room right in terms of our political beliefs I don't think any of us like are holocaust deniers or like pro-slavery but there are people on college campuses who encompass beliefs that are quite frankly white supremacist um but I, and, I, and what about what about those classes like how can you there are certain beliefs that threaten people's very existence. Right, right but, but so how can you ensure that there are safe spaces while also wanting diverse? Like it's it's a very complicated. If there if there are like a point two percent on the campus, yeah, then, it's it's seemingly it's in, normal things that people are saying that they're being judged for, which is yes, the issue. Yes, I agree, but I also think that. Um, and I wish we had time for a conversation about the police chief that Maddie, Maddie and I brought up earlier. But um, but we can do a part two soon. Yes, we should do a part two soon. But I also Absolutely. think it is important. Some beliefs are making classroom spaces uncomfortable for those who want to and embody them. 
that includes people like Maddie. And that includes everyone. Who doesn't feel like she can say something without yes. being shunned at times. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yes. sound very safe either. No, it doesn't. But so. I also think that uncomfort sometimes provides an opportunity for people to grow, for people to learn, for people to experience. Well, that's the other, that's and the I do other think Henry's completely right, and, and that is where the professor falls in, in taking a more active stance in moderating mm-hmm. on all sides of things. Well, folks, what a, what a great conversation. Mm-hmm. We have to make room for our friend out in the hallway. We always end the show with what we're about to do this week or today. Mm-hmm. Elena, oh what, what are you going to do? Um, study some French. Boring. In honor of <laughs> Bastille, Bastille Day. Day. Okay, cool. <laughs> Henry? Oh, God. I'll probably go home and um, I'm reading Dante's Inferno right now. Oh so I might, I might finish that. You guys and, need to get a And then I, I might, and then I'm, and then I might, you know, like swim and Play like, some relax. video games. Maddie, Maddie please tell me us. you're living it up. Well, after this, I'm going to pick some blueberries at the Burnish Family Farm. And then I will be Cody's heading to, to the Cape. Going to Cape Cod for a few days. All right, that's something at least. Something at least. Well, I'm going to go to the go-kart track and do some go-kart. Sweet. No, it's not actually what I'm doing. My beloved family, though, is in Vermont, (laughs) and I have to figure out. I almost get no time without. I love my family, but I have to figure out, is this a Red Sox night? Is this call a friend over? Pick Mm. blueberries? Do I read Dante's Inferno? Do I study French? You should. (laughs) Possibilities are just limitless. Well, listen, we're online, barbarianinthevalley.com. We're podcasted. We're every social tentacle that you could possibly imagine. Sounds bad. Um, And we will see you next week. Thank you so much.